Welcome to this edition of the Swim Swam Breakdown. As always, I'm your host, Coleman Hodges, joined today by Yin Yin Lee from Evanston, Illinois. Yin Yin, we had a big weekend of swimming. There was a lot of meets, yeah. some surprises. We're going to start with the biggest meet of the weekend for the United States, which was Virginia versus Texas. Uh, Virginia surprisingly walked away with four wins. Uh, the men and women swept Texas on both days. Number one takeaway from this meet where we saw 1,200 plus fans attend on Friday night. We saw super finals. Uh, your number one takeaway, Yin I think my number one takeaway from this meet is if you try hard to do something unconventional, you will get the headlines. Because people complain all the time in our comments about how, oh, there's too many UVA articles, blah, 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 blah. But it's like the reason why UVA is always doing stuff is the reason why UVA is always getting headlines is because they're always doing stuff that's noteworthy. If your program is doing something that's unconventional and out of the norm and something good for college swimming, then we will write about it. And that's what they did at this meet. And from a swimming perspective, this meet sort of played out the way I thought it would play out, at least on the women's side. Both teams did look pretty good, even if Texas didn't win and the result was pretty lopsided. They still had a few fast swims. I'm a little surprised at how lopsided the meet in um was in Virginia's favor on the men's side. Because I think on paper, Texas still has the better team. And I think they have more potential NCAA scorers. So it will be interesting to see how that carries over into the postseason. But the UVA men definitely definitely showed up. On the women's side, Gretchen Walsh, great as usual. Jasmine Nocentini, I brought her up in a tweet because she was one of the swimmers that stood out the most to me. She went 47-8 in the 100 free. Uh, 21 8 in the 50, and then 58 1 in the 100, and beating Anna Lent by um, 0.6 of a second, which I think that's a that's a big statement swim for her. Especially Unseated because they were like tied at the 75, essentially. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I didn't watch the race video, but that 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 was a really big statement swim for me. And personally, I I think her impact on Virginia was a little undervalued when she transferred but I knew from the moment that she was transferring here that Virginia would be just fine without Kate Douglas or Lexi Cuomo and obviously she's not Kate Douglas is one of the best NCAA swimmers of all time there's no one that's gonna replicate her but her being but no Santini being such a versatile sprinter who can definitely make an impact individually is definitely gonna help this team and fill in that hole those were my main swimming takeaways and certainly Nozantini's transfer is like exceedingly timely with them not having Claire Curzan this season, losing, like you said, Lexi and Kate, among others from last season. Like she's like just slots in perfectly to where I, the Texas women I think are coming and they're going to be really good at NC2As, but I think she kind of like seals the deal for, for in my eyes right now is like, yeah, I think they're going to four Pete, but um, and she's, you know, she's lived up to her billing so far this season, as you said. 
Um, I definitely I'd say agree. she's exceeded her billing, but yeah, for sure. <laughs> Hashtag DeSorbo effect. Hashtag DeSorbo effect. Yeah, I mean, it was it was a really fun meet. My my number one takeaway is that we gotta we gotta find a way to live stream these events, right? And I'm not necessarily mm. saying swim swim has to. It would be great if we could, but I think if we're gonna start having meets like this that are fun, that are fan friendly, and that get a lot of headlines and hype, people want to see them right? People want to be able to watch them. And shout out to Tyler Fenwick, who Instagram lived the entire meet from his phone. And then UVA always posts their race videos on their YouTube channel, which is awesome. A lot of schools do this. Um, and anytime they do, it's super helpful to us to get these race videos out to the general swim sphere. But the fact that you know, we only could watch this meet on an Instagram live was a bummer. And that's no knock on anyone. I'm just saying we we're seeing kind of this revolution, if you will, of unconventional meets and meets that are trying to draw large crowds and, and be a big deal within their communities. And the, the next way to get it out there to more masses is to have it is to be able to watch it, you know? And so I, again, I think Tyler did a great job at Instagram living the whole meet so that you could watch it in some way. Um, but you know, it, it's just, it's so cool when you can just turn on your TV or, or switch on your laptop and watch us a, a dual meet. That's only an hour or two. Again, great thing about ISL, you know, it was not a huge time commitment during the day. Uh, you could, it was a two hour session and then you, you would go on there with the rest of your day. And so my biggest takeaway is that I love this meet format and I love that we were able to watch it, but live streaming is going to, I think, be a bigger and bigger part as these meets do get bigger because you want to get these meets out there as much as possible. Yeah. And I also want to add on to the live streaming thing is that I personally find color commentary as a great way to learn more about a sport. It's happened for me if I'm ever getting a new, a new sport. I'm always relying on the color commentary to give me context on how the sport works, the narratives. And I think having a live stream definitely helps with that. I know Ty Tyler was doing good commentary on the Instagram live, but a live stream would probably be clear. And this is not UVA's fault because there's obviously a contract with ACC Network and all that. But I think there are certain aspects of a live stream that are really important to maybe engaging engaging a fan. Even if it's someone who's a swim fan, I think they would still find it enjoyable if there was color commentary, even if they already knew stuff about swimming. And I also want to add, um, from a marketing-wise, I wish they talked a little bit more about the score. I wish the score of the meet was hyped up a little more. I know UBA had a few... Um, live updates on the score and again i think they did all that they could to and went all out for this meet and they did post the score at the end but i i wish we talked a little bit more about the score than we did because we were obsessing so much over times when score is such an important part of this meet with the whole scoring format and also since the men's meet on the first day came down to the final really i, I wish mm -hmm. there was a little bit more hype on that 
than on the actual times because if we really want dual meets to be accessible i think scores need to be made a bigger deal absolutely and this was this was another thing isl did a great job of but swim fans complained about swim fans are going to complain about everything regardless yeah. all the time was is is my experience in swimming so far but yeah it's like isl was like we don't care about times we're doing points and everyone was like what the heck and you know and it's like you have to have both i think to make it to, to make it work but i think they had it right i think they just transitioned too quickly i think if you want to popularize swimming make it about scores make it about racing because that's what's that is what is as you said more accessible to everyone because not everyone cares about the times um but I think an easy way, again, to build up this dual meet hype and format is uh, is to, like you said, just put the score up there. And uh, I was commenting on the Instagram live and I tried to give score updates from Meet Mobile a couple of times throughout the thing, but it's like, that's that's only so much and that's only the yeah. people who are like super closely following it. So mm. I'm totally with you that... A dual meet scoring format, especially in something like the super finals, like that can be super fun to follow. And like that can get the crowd really into it, especially with the momentum shifts. It's like you cheer for the racing and you cheer when your team wins. And then you cheer when you see the score update and you're like, oh, my team's winning or like my team's coming back. Um, that can be like a huge, yeah. a, a huge thing and to get people involved. Yeah, and it didn't help that Meet Mobile was slightly dysfunctional while the meet was going on. So, <clears throat> yeah. So I I think you know I overall this meet was incredible, but you know they they have areas of growth which I think is a good thing because you you can make it better. Um, what did you think? I guess I know you didn't watch it, but what did you think of the super final format of having a normal heat of swimmers and then having a one v one? battle royale i really like this whole super finals thing because i think again it appeals and is more fan friendly because you're focusing on two swimmers and they're just going to head to head and it's really simple scoring just one person gets five points the other person gets nothing and i i really like it and it's definitely a breath of fresh air from the whole nine four three two one type of scoring that can get a little complicated and make swim meets a little bit more difficult to score. Um, do I think it's the end all be all in swimming? No, I think we're gonna have to. I don't think it would be great for a traditional dual meet format where you want to get everyone racing, and it would definitely be really time consuming. But uh, for stuff like this definitely cool to try it out and i don't know it's it's a new concept and i liked it yeah it it certainly makes me uh sorry i'm mentioning the isl a lot but like this was very this felt very similar to that and it hasn't been around a while but they brought a lot of new things in it makes me appreciate jackpots uh i never thought i would really say that but like seeing gretchen walsh win a hundred fly by three seconds it's but then scoring the same as someone who wins a heat by two tenths it's like i you know i'm not saying we should incorporate jackpots into 
uh, dual meets because that it does get complicated, and then the the crowd can kind of be like, well, what? How much do they need to beat them by? And then you need to have a line to be like, oh, this is the jackpot line, and that only really works for TV. However, it is cool when you're like that person beat the other person by so much that they stole their points. You know, like that was a really cool dynamic to see in swimming because it's like, oh yeah, like the, some some races are really close, but then some races like are so dominating. And it's fun to see you get rewarded for for that domination, but um, I I did like the one on one a lot, and primarily because they got to build them before the meet. You got to know going in who you yeah, were going to see really racing like head to head, and I it's didn't like expect that, but I like <laughs> mm-hmm. it. Yeah, you know, it's like the the NBA has this problem of like load management, and you know, it's like. If, if you're a kid who doesn't have a lot of money and your parents get you a ticket to a game and you're going to see LeBron James and then he's sitting out that night, you know, like that's, that's really disappointing, right? Because you went expecting to see LeBron James, but if, if they bill it, if the week before they're like, Hey, the Gretchen Walsh is racing Emma Stickland and the hundred fly, like it is happening. Then you're like, Oh, sweet. I'm going to go and see this, this race. And like, if we start doing that more in swimming, like, which, which has never been done, I think aside from maybe like NBC with Olympics, like that's going to get people coming. World Aquatics had did this whole like top three in an event before worlds. They started doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I really liked that aspect of it. Um, so this leads us two Gretchen Walsh was obviously the standout swimmer of the meet uh and we wrote an article was this the best dual meet performance of all time which I feel like needs some like parameters around what qualifies that because she was in a normal practice suit she was not in a technical racing suit and so I'll let you answer it how you feel how you want to make your parameters yin yin um, and then, and then I'll make mine as well. I think it's hard to define greatest swim swim of all time because obviously the tech suit thing, and with more, with more and more teams suiting up for these dual meets, I think it's getting harder and harder to draw the line between what's a good swim because it was at a dual meet and what was a, a good swim just because they were suited. And I think definitely in terms of unsuited dual meets, Gretchen Walsh had the greatest dual meet performance of all time. And it's insane because she hurt. Okay. Let me give you some context. Gretchen Walsh, 2022 NCAAs, 20.9553. 49 flat 100 back, 46.0 100 free. And this year at this dual meet, she goes 20, 20.950 free, 49.1 100 back, 22.5 50 back. American record would have been an NCA record two years ago, um, along with a 49.1 100 fly. She essentially matched her performance 
from 2022 NCAs where she was tapered and suited and had one of the best performances out of anyone in the NCAA that year. And yet she matched this performance two years later at a dual meet unsuited. Like, I, I find that insane to believe. I know this is not directly answering the question, but just given that context, what she did was insane. And I know a lot of people are rolling their eyes at short course yards right now um, because it's an Olympic year and because the Americans didn't have the best world championships, Gretchen Walsh included. So I can understand the the eye roll at her times right now, but still, it's it's insane. It's crazy. And I think that's something that we won't be able to fully appreciate until she leaves the NCAA. Uh, agreed. I think it's I think it's hard. This is like the Katie Ledecky effect, right? Like when when Katie Ledecky swims a really good time now in season, you're just like, oh, that's cool, because it's hard to contextualize her times against everyone else's because she's swam fast so many times and she's raised the bar mm-hmm. so high. So a, we've seen Gretchen swim really fast in season before. So like, this isn't necessarily like a new phenomena for her, but then also she has a teammate and Kate Douglas <clears throat> who also swims exceedingly fast in season and goes like, you know, historically great times as like her predecessor. Right. So it's like, now we're just kind of expecting UVA women to swim really fast times in season. And it's like, oh, this is kind of what they do, you know? And so yeah. in in that light, it's like, I don't know if this is the great, you know, it's like she swam really fast. Sure. But like she didn't break NCAA records. Uh, and, you know, it's like she swims fast in a, a unsuited all the time. This is those are the thoughts in my head. I do think this is different from her previous in season times because before when she went fast to the dual meet, like the context was this is fast forward dual meet. If she swam this at NCAs, it would be disappointing. Mm. But this at this meet, she was going, she was essentially matching her times from 2022 NCAs. She would, if she swam these times, at NCAs two years ago, she would have gotten the same results that she did then. And I know she's, and the NCA has gotten faster since 2022, but that's just still crazy to me. And I think this, her dual meet performance from this week is definitely a tier above even her typical dual meet performances. And, and I agree with you absolutely there. Yeah. I think I was, that was, that was more of a devil's advocate thing, but I do, th- you know, just 20.9 on its own. Uh, I was, I was in the building when Abby Weitzel became the first woman to break 21 seconds, then 50 yard free. It was a 2019 Minnesota invite. And it's like, to think about the fact that only, only three other women besides Gretchen Walsh have broken 21 seconds. Uh, it's Kate Douglas, Maggie McNeil, Abby Weitzel did it one. Like Abby Weitzel had to like, build up her entire career to like get to that point in yards. Right. And then she did it like one time. And now like Kate Douglas and Gretchen Walsh combined have done it. Like, I don't know, six or seven times at least it's, it's, it's pretty, yeah, that is mind blowing to me. Um, And then Maggie McNeil, the other person has also only done it once. I'm pretty sure. 
so just like the I mean the, she's the record holder, so <laughs> just, but just I like just once is the fastest all time. You're right. Yeah. But it's just the the resume they're building is insane. So we have to I have to remind myself of that. I certainly think this is the greatest female dual meet performance ever. I think the yeah, the one other that stands out was Leon Marchand's last year when he broke the NCAA record in the 400 IM. And I think the event, like the events they're swimming also kind of has to be taken for me is taken into account. Cause like he went fast in a hundred and a 50 breast at, at those meets, but he also, you know, broke the record in the 400 IM and then went crazy fast in the tuner breast and 200 IM. And he was wearing a suit, but like to me, that's a lot more impressive than going super fast in fifties and hundreds, just because it doesn't require, you know, I think it's a lot easier in season to go faster in fifties and hundreds than it is two hundreds and four hundreds and five hundreds. So, you know, I, it's hard to compare them. One was suited. One was unsuited. It was, it was a historic performance regardless. Next up on our list, we saw, uh, another standout performance in a dual meet this weekend, Caroline Caroline Bricker, uh, Stanford freshman, led the charge to a Stanford victory over Arkansas. Uh, the Stanford women were in technical racing suits, uh, but Caroline broke. She was the number 11 recruit in the high school class of 2023. Uh, she went best times in the two breast, two fly. Caroline Bricker, by the way. Caroline Bricker. Sorry. Thank yeah. you. Uh, she was 207, one, two breast, 154, six, two fly and 405, five, four IM. We saw a, a lot of other really impressive swims from Stanford, uh, on the men and women's side. Uh, but this was definitely the standout and kind of the surprise. So I'm curious, I, I would like to know why Stanford decided to suit up for this meet and if they will be suiting up moving forward, but love to see this. But the question is, does this change your view of how the Stanford women will place at the 2024 NC2As? Oh my God, Lily Norman went 140, 154 as well. This, I don't want to be the devil's advocate, but I am. Um, but in this new era of swimming fast in season and suiting up at these dual meets, I don't really trust that just because someone went this fast time in a dual meet, like that doesn't mean they're they're gonna replicate it at NCAs because we saw we saw a lot of this last year. Ryan White was faster at a September or October dual meet than she was at NCAs or SEC's. Erica Sullivan set her season best at a dual meet. A lot of that kind of stuff was going on. So I really hope this leads to Caroline Bricker replicating these times at NCs because I'm I'm still a little skeptical about that. Not not because of her as a swimmer, but just because this sort of stuff happens a lot. And mm. I, I even have that concern with teams like Virginia that go super lights out at dual meets, but especially considering that a lot of Stanford swimmers added at NCs. I'm a little um just I'm a little wary. But just individually from a times perspective I think Caroline Bricker um, times are good for Stanford. I don't know if this is going to necessarily rise them up, bring them up by a considerable margin, 
because Bricker's not, she's not really a sprinter. She does the 100 breasts, but her main events are 200, 400. So she's not going to be a big boost on relays. But I do think this could turn Stanford from, for example, like a 10th place team to a 9th place team, but nothing too big. Because Bricker, coming into NCAs, she probably, coming into her first NCAA season, she was probably a projected score in one event, the 200 breasts. And I know this because I did the Stanford preview, but now, Given that she's going 405, 400 IM, I think her best time before this was a 410. And 154, 205, when her drop. best time before was like a 157, 156. She's become a three event score now. She can easily get like 20 or 30 points, which I think will be enough to move, could be enough to move Stanford up one place if it's close, but not, not super revolutionary in terms of the general landscape, but definitely really good for her as a freshman to be dropping these times. No kidding. I mean, to, to, yeah. When, when you see a freshman going best times in season, even if they're in a suit, like I always feel like that's a really good sign, right? Mm-hmm. It's like the, they're, they're obviously doing something right. They're having a good time in their, in this new environment, seemingly, you know, it's like, it seems like something, is going well and they're swimming. Um, it's a positive sign. Uh, I initially, I was like, oh my God, this is like a game changer for Stanford. Of course, this moves them up. They could be like top five. And then I actually started like looking at it and looking at our power rankings and looking at the teams that are ahead of them. Um, I do feel like this could move them into maybe a six, seven, eight slot. And not again, yeah, not just Bricker's performances but i i do think that greg has been doing this a long time and he knows what it takes to place high at nc2as and even though their sprint talent isn't isn't there on paper i am confident in his abilities to kind of make it work and figure out a way to get a good hundred free or a hundred of stroke out of some of these swimmers. Um, and so I think, yeah, on paper, I think swim swim is also, and, and the commenters has also, uh, thought ill of Stanford a little more than they maybe deserve, um, because of their recent exits slash red shirts. But I think a six, seven, eight, finish at nc2as is not out of the realm of possibilities for these stanford women i also said on two breakdowns ago that i think usc is higher than them uh and i don't see usc women finishing six seven or eight but i do see those two teams as being stanford is not a team on the rise but I do see those two teams being in that echelon um, and USC mm-hmm. as certainly being a team on the rise. I think Stanford and USC are going to have the same questions headed in championship season because they're both teams that have historically had trouble replicating. They're not they're not one of the most successful teams in terms of replicating season best in the NCA. And both of them are both teams are going pretty fast in season right now. So I'm really just curious about if they're going to back this up at in championship season, both teams are sort of in that situation. And I do want to, as a side note, like we are seeing a lot of 
in fast in season swimming now. And then that doesn't always transfer to the end of the season meet, whether that's conference, NC2As, whatever. And then people get upset and they're like, oh, they should have just done it the traditional way or, or for, for naysayers or commenters who are saying, oh, you should just swim slow in season and then like save it up for conference and NC2As. When that was happening, like by when that was being done by every team in, in the NC2A, this still happened where people didn't go best times or season bests at yeah. conference and NC2As. Like, yeah. to me, I just want to reiterate the point that like fast swimming in season is good no matter what. And obviously, yeah. you want to swim fast at NC2As, but like, this is good for our sport regardless. Yeah, and I think there are teams who go fast in season and go even faster at NCs. Virginia and Arizona State both did it last year. Mm-hmm. And it's just that it just works for some teams and for some teams, other teams, they have to be better at it. Agreed. And I think this is just this has just risen the level of competition, right? Because it's it's crazy to me now that, for example, Bricker went 154.6 in the 200 fly in season and like maybe five or 10 years ago, it's like, that's like, that's an NC2A scoring time, I believe. But like now that's it nowhere still close. Is. It is still it? is. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> like that's a really fast time, but you look at the top end or what it takes to make an A final or a top eight. And then that has gotten tremendously faster over the course of just the last few years, I, I think overall. And that's because I think in part we're seeing these really, really fast in-season swims and then and then people will inevitably always go faster at the end of the season. Not everyone, but you will always still see faster swims at the end of the season. More bathtub swimming. Arizona State had their 25 battle royale. Uh, Ryan Held came out on top for the men. Olivia Smaliga beat Simone Manuel in the final for the women. Basically, it's just a bracket-style 25-yard race that comes down to mano a mano, 25-yard sprints. It's a really cool thing. They've done it for a few years now. Some people were suited. Some people were not. I believe Ryan Held and Jack Dolan were not, and Olivia and Simone also were not suited. But my question to you, Yinyan, is if you could see any two swimmers race in a 25 yard freestyle who would it be i know we've kind of seen this battle already but i think it would be cool to see gretchen walsh versus maggie mcneil in a 25 free because they're two of the best female underwater swimmers in the world probably the two best female underwater swimmers in the world and it it would just be cool to then do a race that's almost completely underwater i don't know i think it would be funny to watch another race that i think would also be fun to watch um 25 yard 25 meter battle royale it's probably caleb dressel and jordan crooks because jordan crooks has phenomenal underwaters but dressel's start is the best in the world when he was at his peak so peak dressel peak crooks let's have a go at it that was going to be mine I because they're both so twitchy. I, I like, yeah, I went through the the male side of sprinters and it's like, okay, who could really match up with Caleb in a 25 because and who has that 
the underwaters, the starts. And yeah, I think Jordan Crooks, the only two men to ever swim a 17 yard 50 freestyle. It's like, let's see them go head to head in a 25 yard. That would be great. I think both those matchups would be awesome. Uh, and we'd get to see a little, little international versus America in there as well with, with Canada and the Cayman islands. So maybe one day who's to say, yeah, sorry for stealing your thunder column by saying (laughs) two. That's fine. It's fine. I'm not mad about it. We also had some international meets this weekend. We had we saw French short course nationals, uh, which was a qualifier for the short course European Championships later in the year, and then we saw the Merrick Petrushevich Petrushevich. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Memorial meet, uh, which was a very cool two day formatted meet. Uh, Yin Yin, I'll start with you. What was your biggest takeaways just from from either of these meets, from both of these meets? What did you see that you liked? This is the same thing I have to say for short course yards right now. In an Olympic year, I think there's a little less um, there's a little less weight being put on short course meters. I know there's a there's euros coming up end of the year, but this is definitely just a way to get good racing in. I'm not taking these results too seriously. But I do think it's notable that Maxime Gousset beat Florent Menadou in the 53 because, to me, Florida, Florent has always been a really good short course swimmer, probably better in short course than he is at long course. And for Gousset to beat Menadou in a 50, when 50s are kind of Menadou's thing, I, I thought that was surprising. And I think it speaks to Gousset's consistency, his rise in swimming, and I think he's bound to have a great home Olympics. Uh, I don't think this necessarily says anything like, oh, Manadou's washed, like some of the comments are implying. He is in the back of his career, but I think it speaks more to how good Gousset is becoming than how not, quote-unquote, not good Manadou is. And um, I also saw that Dylan Carter won a, a lot of skins rounds in the uh, Merrick memorial the, the polished me i think um and i think that also speaks to how consistent he is as a swimmer in, in short course especially he was so good at the world top last year and he's just showing that again right now <clears throat> yeah the the merrick Petrushevich memorial meet was it was a two-day meet it was a lot of short events and both days concluded with 25 skins so very similar to the 25 yard world championships held at ASU for those of you who don't like bathtub swimming we got it all for you today uh, i really <laughs> I, I really just loved this meet format it seemed like they were just hopping on the fun meet format that we've seen a lot of in this NC2A dual meet season and i enjoyed watching all these really fast swimmers racing 25 meters over and over and over again uh, I, I liked that skins format a lot from that meet. And again, like you said, great racing opportunities. It's fun to see meets that are just like, hey, let's just come here, swim some short events, have some fun. I think the sessions were a little long, but overall, nice meet to watch. Uh, from from French short course, I really liked Anastasia Karpichnikova just downing 
a 15, sorry, 19 year old French record by nine seconds. And it is the short course meters women's mile, which probably doesn't get swim a ton, <laughs> but um, it's, it's cool to see her as a recent French citizen and transplant um, having a lot of success leading into the Paris Olympics. I always like seeing a home Olympian do well at a home Olympics. Um, and so it, I think it'd be really cool if she could get on the podium to your point, I would really love to see Florent get on the podium at his home Olympics too. But, um, Kropichnikova looked really solid at this meet. And so to me, that's, that's a great sign that she's doing just fine in France. That is our news for the week. Uh, so let's finish off with a few quick sink or swims. First up today on Sink or Swim, world record holder Kaylee McEwen has set her sights on becoming the first woman to ever go under 57 in the 100-meter backstroke. I'm not going to ask you to sink or swim if she will be, because I think that's a pretty easy one to get. It's not a guarantee for her, but seems all, all, all signs are pointing to it. Do you think she will go under 57 for the first time at the Paris Olympics? This is I find this question really funny because after after last week with our whole Reagan Kaylee debate, everyone everyone got mad at you and Braden for I guess having more faith in Reagan than the rest of the commenters. I've been labeled as the Kaylee McEwen defender. And I do I am pretty high on McEwen, but I'm gonna think her going under set fifty seven in Paris because she's just not that kind of swimmer. She she goes fast all the time and I do think she does go fast when it matters but historically she hasn't set her best times at the big international meet of the year which which is fine because she wins anyway but I I could see her I could see her not going the best time in Paris and still winning I, I think that's what's going to happen but I think when she goes 56 it's probably going to be at a smaller meat because that's just been that's just how she operates and I mean it's it's working for her she's still consistent she's still getting her hand on the wall first but I just don't think she's gonna be going under 57 at the big the big meet of the year <clears throat> I am gonna predict that Kaylee McEwen goes 56 the 100 meter backstroke for the first time at Australian Olympic trials so I am sinking this because <laughs> I think she'll go really fast at trials. I'm not saying she won't go really fast at the Olympics. So don't throw any shade my way. I'm yeah. just saying at this moment <laughs> that she will go really fast at the Australian Olympic trials, which are in Australia. So I am sinking her going 57 under 57 for the first time at the Olympic games. That's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> you're you you've dealt with too much <laughs> i'm being very specific right now and that is very purposeful on this topic <laughs> next up uh the 2024 chinese olympic trials have been moved to april dimming sun yang's shot at paris so essentially sun yang's uh doping ban ends in may and so this means that he will not be eligible to compete at the Chinese Olympic trials. So this is purely just speculation. But do you think 
that Sun Yang will compete at the 2024 Olympic Games, having not competed at the 2024 Chinese Olympic trials? I'm going to think it because he's, what is he going to be, 32? Something like that. Early he's 30s. Gonna be in, yeah. He, yeah, he's going to be in his 30s. He hasn't competed in, it's going to be over four years by that point. And he wasn't, his time right now probably wouldn't contend for medals or gold the way that they used to. And I don't know. I think China's in a really good spot right now with the swimmers they have, both performance-wise and PR-wise. Um, so, and if Sun Yang were to make the Olympics, it would be based on discretionary selection. And I don't see how they would select a swimmer who's probably not going to be in super good form and also doesn't have the greatest public reputation on this team that's on a really good upward trajectory right now is poised to have a good Olympics even without Sun Yang. And I just don't see why they would risk it. And if Sun I the only way I see them um, picking him for the Olympics is, is if he goes like insane times in his comeback, which I don't think will happen. So, yeah, I'm going to send it. So what do you think it would take? What with give me a time for a 200 freestyle for them to select him for a relay? 144. That's it. That seems feasible. I don't know. He says he's training every day. I, I don't I'm taking his training with a grain of salt. Like <laughs> maybe maybe he is training, but when was the when was the last time he's broken? 145 oh 2019 but still right four years ago a lot has happened a lot has happened since 2019 (laughs) we've we've went through a a global pandemic (laughs) among other things um yeah i i think china's in a great spot right now and that's a great point because i wouldn't want to mess with the team chemistry either but i am curious as to what China thinks of Sun Yang and if he is in good standing with the national team as well as just the country in general, like if he is more viewed as like a martyr and, and a hero or, or as like, no, nah, he, he was, he was doping. We don't really want him or, you know, I, I don't know how I China think, views him. I think, yeah. When China, when he was at his peak, he was probably con- like, the most popular athlete in China. Like, I think the way he's viewed there is like the way LeBron is viewed in the mm-hmm. U.S. And I think that was back when, during his peak, right now, they, there's like athletes that are more famous than him, are more well-liked than him, but in his peak, he definitely had that status. Gotcha. So, yeah, that it's like, I I personally don't really want to see him in the Mm. olympics but i just have a feeling he's gonna be there and you know if if i think i think if he swam on a relay it wouldn't be that big of a deal i mean rules wise it might or like it might be morally ambiguous but like i don't think it would cause a kerfluffle but if he returns to like really good form also here's the thing if he 
gets selected to swim individually and then swims slow, I don't think anyone's really going to care. Yeah. But if he's like making finals, then, then I think people will care. Oh, for sure. Especially given the circumstances of his situation, he hasn't formally competed in four years. It, like all we have are his words saying that he's practiced. Yeah. I would, I, what I'm, so I, I'm going to swim it. I, I just have a feeling in the back of my head that like he's going to get selected for that team and and it's going to cause this whole thing. So I, I'm God. swimming it just just on intuition, but also I just really want to see his comeback meet. Like I, I want those results. I really hope that happens regardless if he gets to go to the Olympics or not. Because I just want to see like, if he's actually been swimming or if he just like goes a one fifty five and the 200 free is like, <laughs> yeah, no, JK, I'm out. <laughs> We're going to write an article about Molly O'Callaghan out splitting Sun Yang <laughs> in the 200 free. <laughs> exactly. I, I want that. Yeah. So I just want to see where he's at. <clears throat> so okay. we should, we, we, we shall see how that goes last up on sink or swim. Another topic that we have even less information about is Matt <laughs> Klotz, uh, deaf world record holder, LSU alum. He is on Big Brother. He's in the final four of Big Brother season 25. And uh, the finale will occur Thursday, November 9th. After 100 days in the Big Brother house, cash prizes are on the line. That includes $750,000 as the grand prize for the winner, $75,000 for the runner-up, and $50,000 for America's favorite player, which is determined by an online vote. Uh, as a side note, Big Brother can be streamed live on Paramount Plus and CBS if you want to if you want to watch our our swimmer brethren on the finale. All right, not, sink or not sw- you promoting Big Brother on the swim. You know you what? It's down. like it's a pretty cool. It's it's kind of cool when a swimmer gets this kind of yeah, uh, yeah. mainstream hype. Uh, yeah. I just want to give the people information. You know, <laughs> that's that's okay. valid. All right, Union, sink or swim. Matt Klotz wins one of those cash prizes. Winner, runner-up, or fan favorite. Okay, I know nothing about Big Brother. I know people who do know and follow Big Brother. Um, so, yeah. I- I'm I'm going to swim it because he's a swimmer, and yay, swimmer representation. Woo, woo. I'm swimming the swimmer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I... the... Go ahead. The... I think... The one takeaway I do have from Big Brother is how rabid TV show slash movie fans can be. Like they are in our comments and they are they are getting heated. <laughs> um, yeah, you think you think swim swim commenters are bad? Just go to mainstream. I yeah, I'm gonna swim it too. I don't know a whole lot about Big Brother, but it seems like he has a pretty good shot. Uh, the Rob has a podcast, Big Brother 25 Eviction Recap <laughs> pot, uh, said that he is one of three who has a good shot at winning the whole thing. So let's swim Matt Klotz. I hope he wins some prize because that'd be really cool as a swimmer. Um, I think we're going to try to get him on our podcast. And so it'd be even better for that 
if he wins some sort of prize. But if you are a Big Brother fan or know the situation, please feel free to leave a comment below and tell us what you think and if you think Matt will win a cash prize. But that's our show for today. Thank Big you for tuning in. Fans? are probably like annoyed at us for like completely butchering this show because we're we're locals here we don't we don't we're not big big brother fans we're not we're not big brother people but you know just just be kind and educate us you know just let us know it's funny it's sorry i keep on interrupting you're good you're good it's funny how we're talking i was talking about how big brother and like tv show fans are kind of crazy when i'm literally like after i get off this podcast i'm probably gonna work on my midterm paper that's literally me voicing my opinions on a movie character so that's funny (laughs) (laughs) we love to hear that (laughs) yeah that's great well uh this is the swim swim breakdown thank you for tuning in and uh we will see you next time